Welcome back to the Strong Opinion Hibs podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack, and today I'm joined by Charlie. Unfortunately, no Calvin again. It's busy, busy time for Calvin with all the exams coming back for getting marked and everything like that as well. So just myself and Charlie again. And how are you, Charlie? I'm good, mate. I am um, strange being uh, another week with Hibs, but I am, uh, I'm doing all right, mate. How are you? A bit, of a, a bit of a hectic one for me, obviously. I uh, had a job interview last week, fingers crossed, it's good news. Um, I think it went well, and obviously I've got my uh, magazine through, I've got my article published again, so it's been a bit of a hectic week for me, but a good one, but missing the Hibs. Um, it's weird the first sort of full week without any football that you're properly invested in. Um, first week, I mean, not, obviously I had the Champions League, but I don't really support any of the teams that were in that, so yeah, it's been weird not having Hibs or Hertha to make me cry, so... Um, yeah, but it's good to be um, on talk with him. So obviously, um, last week we did the women's season review, got very well received. So thank you, uh, everybody, for all your positive comments on that and everything. I think it went down really, really well. And um, we'll be doing even more on the women's team next season, um, which will be an exciting season. And now it's the season review that's going to be the less positive one, um, which is the main season review as we go through the car crash that was the 2021-22 season for us. So... Like we did with the women's review, we'll start off with the stats. Um, and the first competition that we're going to go through is the Europa Conference League. So, of course, securing third um, last season meant that we were going to enter into the qualifiers for the brand new Europa Conference League, the inaugural Europa Conference League, which is sort of like the modern Intertotal Cup, if you like. Um, obviously, a third um, tier European competition that UEFA set up new for this season. So we went in at the second qualifying round and our first opponents were Santa Coloma. Insert joke about that Christmas song here. Um, the first opponents were Santa Coloma. So obviously we played them at Easter Road. That was the first game with fans. Um, our first competitive game with fans since lockdown. So that was pretty exciting. Played them at Easter Road. Got a 3-0 win at Easter Road. And then we won 2-1 after going 1-0 down in Andorra. Um, so that was that. So pretty expected, to be honest, playing an Andorran team. I think they came third in Andorra and had won the Andorran Cup. You're playing a team from one of the sort of bottom five European countries. You're expecting a win. You know, they're all semi-professional, the teams. You're expecting a confident win. And that's what we got. Oh, it did get a bit ropey out in Andorra, um, to say the least, um, after, you know, all sorts of problems as well with the live stream. The Andorran FA, um, obviously, the cables weren't working or... Uh, they're struggling to pick up signal with all those mountains. I think that's the excuse they should have used. The, the Pyrenees were um, struggling to pick up signal in the Pyrenees. They could have used that excuse. But anyway, um, yeah, that, that was an interesting experience watching the Andorran FA YouTube channel. Um, I think there's probably, we've probably got more subscribers than them. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a, certainly an interesting experience. But obviously, um, we got through that 5-1 um, on, on aggregate, which was to be expected, to be honest. I mean, you should be beating teams like that confidently. And then we were drawn against Croatian Cup winners, Rijeka, in the next qualifying round, the third qualifying round. That was obviously going to be a bit more of a challenge. Rijeka have had good records against Scottish teams. They've had obviously put Aberdeen out a few years ago, and they are a very well-established side in Croatia. Croatia is a league that I'd say is you know, either just about on par or just slightly below the SPFL. So obviously playing a more sort of I'd like to see established opponent was always going to be difficult for us. Game at Easter Road um, was 1 1. We, we, we dominated them in that game, just didn't take our chances. They go 1 0 up, and then we get the equaliser. 
And we had a few chances after that, obviously, Dan McKay with a guilt age chance, um, if anybody remembers that game. If Dan McKay had scored that, possibly a very different um, complexion to the fixture. And then, obviously, we go out to Croatia and get spanked 4-1. Um, Darren McGregor gets sent off. Doidge got that injury that I think basically spelt the end of Doidge's season because even after he came back, he just looked a mile off of it. So, all in all, I think the Conference League for me, and I'll get your thoughts in a minute, Charlie, it, it was very disappointing. You know, this was rigged effectively for us to get to the group stage. I mean, Aberdeen got to the play, Aberdeen got to the playoff round um, when they lost to Quarabag. So this was basically rigged for us to get to the playoff round. We were realistically three rounds of qualifying away from Europe. I think Rijeka were a beatable team. Had we have gotten the um, playoff round, we would have been seeded again because of the, our league position, which meant we would have got an easier opponent in the playoff round. So we would have avoided the likes of Tottenham and Union Berlin and like the top five league teams. And we would have been talking about European group stage football very realistically. So I think we missed a huge chance. And then the thing that makes it worse is Lincoln Red Imps from Gibraltar went and qualified and we didn't. So I think questions have got to be asked about that. I think the, our game management was quite poor at Easterwood, I think, you know, in terms of the chances. Um, we, if we take those chances, it would have been a completely different tag. So, of course, no away goals. So the Acres goal wouldn't have really mattered. I think having a league to take over to Croatia would have helped us more. And I think that game against Reka, which still stands as our heaviest defeat this season, um, which is a miracle if you think about how badly we've played. Um, at times, I think if you look at it, if we'd taken the lead over to Croatia, it could have been a completely different game. And then we would have got an easier opponent in the playoff round. Because I think we could have beaten the likes of Quarabag or some of these Slovenian teams and Moldovan teams that were in the playoff round. So I definitely think even Robbie and Amy from, Switz, uh, from Finland, we could, have be we could have beaten them. And I think it's just hugely disappointing. It was a big chance at European group stage football and we missed out on it. So, yeah, overall, I think the Conference League um, qualifying campaign, oh, well, all four games of it, all two rounds of it, has got to go down is um, quite disappointing. I think it was maybe a sign of things to come. What are your thoughts, Charlie? Uh, it was it was a bit embarrassing, really. Um, finished third and then get papped out off a Croatian side. Like, it's no, it's no ideal, is it? Um, that was probably the probably where I was, there was questions over the team going into the season. Obviously, Jack Ross was still looking for a defender and a striker at this point, but I think that was when it was really starting to show that, OK, we're going to be in for a long season, I think. Um, uh, you're right, I think um, I think the, the game against Rijeka at home, we should have battered them. The game against Santa Coloma, we won 3-0, but I didn't think we were that great. Um, I think I, it's obviously nice to get through around, but I don't think we were that great at all. Uh, but I've got to agree. I think, like, especially when we went out there, you know, they, if, we were very close to them actually putting us out, if you think about it. You know, they were, they, if they'd got another goal, I think it would have genuinely became quite, you know, ropey and it could have, it could have been one of those situations where we effectively hibs it, you know. And I, I think as you compare it to the run in the qualifying we had the last time we were in it with Lenny and that team, you know, obviously we smashed um, Runovic. I've got to remember, are actually Faroe Islands at a higher standard than the Andorran League. Um, I think they're about two or three places higher in the co coefficients. So we smashed Runovic, who are one of the better teams in the Faroe Islands as well. We then beat a decent Asterisk Triplis side, because I think Greek football, I'd arguably, is better than Croatian football. 
be a good Astros triplet sign um, and a big comeback victory. And then when you go um, play Molda, obviously, I think it, it was similar to the Reaker game where we could have realistically have beaten Molda at Easter Road. And then we sort of messed it up out in Norway, but that was a good Molda team. And when we look at what two figures from that team we went on to do, Erling Haaland, I mean, look at it, he's, he's just been transferred to Man City after ripping up the Bundesliga and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's managed Manchester United. So I think when you look at that, that I think the way that losing that Molda team compared to losing that Rijeka team, I've got to say, if you compare those two runs, I definitely think the run back then was a hell of a lot better. And it was just, you know, that was a lot more of a positive run as well. Um, because we, we played good football. We absolutely brushed us. I mean, we got double figures on aggregate against Runebeck, which was what we should have been doing against Coloma. Because I agree with you, mate. At Easter Road, we won 3-0. But to be honest, it wasn't a convincing performance at all. You know, they, they were at times a better team in the game. You could see it. To, if they weren't a semi-professional team, you know, because you've seen it, like when we were standing outside after, you could see players, like their striker was having a fag outside the stadium after it. If they, if they weren't semi-professional players, I definitely think Santa Coma could have genuinely caused us a few more problems than they did. So I think overall, yeah, I've got to agree with you, mate. It's embarrassing, it's disappointing, and it's a big chance missed. And then obviously when we talk about the league, we had a big chance missed with Europe this season as well. I mean, and, and again, it feeds into the cup. I think all European things like so annoying because if we'd won the cup um last if we'd won the cup last season, we would have been guaranteed group stage football either way. Because if you lose in the Europa League a playoff round, which is what we would have been entered into if we'd won the cup, we would have went into the conference league group stage automatically. So I think big chance missed with Europe, if you ask me. And overall it was that really, really disappointing. So we'll now move on to the Premier Sports Cup. So obviously, while we're runners up in that, our run started off against Kilmarnock. So obviously, we played Kilmarnock at home. We missed out on the group stage. Um, we got a bye from the group stage um, this season. So played Kilmarnock at home, beat them 2-0. I think standard performance to be expected against Championship Kilmarnock, who, fair enough, had a good season in the Championship. But I think know the best Kelly side that we've ever played and we got an expected win against them. Went up to Tannadice after that in the quarterfinal for a 3-1 win against Dundee United. I think that's been arguably one of our best performances this season um, against Dundee United up at Tannadice. For me, I know the second half was a bit more sort of um, tense, but I think the first half was one of our best performances this season. Semi-final, um, we played Rangers, or should I say the Rangers, and the uh, Kept up a tradition of absolutely pumping them at Hamden. Um, 3-1. I think that was amazing because we were stuck in quite a rut at that point. Obviously, this was sort of the beginning of the end of Jack Ross, that sort of run. And I come up against a Rangers side that, yes, they were managerless, but still a very impressive. You've got to remember, Rangers were still in um, realistic contention with the league title at that point. It was properly, it was properly, properly tight. Um, I think Rangers were actually possibly top of the league when we went into the semi-final. Um, or they might have I think they might have been. I don't know. I can't remember. But either way, Rangers were still doing very well. And you've got to remember like, what that Rangers team went on to do. They won the Scottish Cup. They got to the Europa League final. And we, one of the worst Hibs teams in a while, still papped them at Hamden. So I think that was amazing. And obviously, we get to the final against, again, a very, very good Celtic side. And we go 1-0 up. Um, Charlie's favourite player scoring that goal, Mr Paul Hanlon. Um, and the euphoria lasted all of about what it was, it was seconds, and then Kyogo goes up the other end and scores. 
and then obviously we end up um, throwing it away. So I've got to say, for me, the League Cup, that's the bare minimum for me getting to the final of the League Cup. The League Cup is a competition I think not all non-Old Firm sides should be in to win, because Old Firm you know, view it as a Diddy Cup. They don't really care about it. You know, I, I think we, we've seen that in the past, and obviously it's a competition that we actually have a relatively good history in, you know. Um, We've we won our first one in the 70s with, with an amazing Turnbull Tornado team, 91, the team that wouldn't die, and of course, CIS Cup in 2007, that amazing team as well. So I think it's a cup we have a good record in and a good history in. And really, finals are bare minimum for me. And I think it's massively disappointing, but considering we had a caretaker manager, um, I think it's not bad that we held that Celtic team to such a close. And I know... People might say that's a losing mentality. Obviously, it's really disappointing. We lost and you don't get anything. You know, runners-up medals don't mean anything. But I think considering the season we've had, beating that Rangers team was fantastic. And I think we didn't do overly badly in the final, considering what led up to it with Jack Ross getting the axe and David Gray. You know, it's, it's a big ask for an interim coach who's had no experience to step up and manage in a final. So I definitely think for me, the League Cup was bare minimum. I think getting to the final League Cup, the bare minimum, but it was actually a good run. Um, and you just, I, I wish that had been the final, though, that game against Rangers. And that sort of felt like the final as well. You know, the final was so disappointing. And of course, there was a lot going on outside the football at that point about like COVID passports and were we going to go into another lockdown because the, case, the cases had spiked around Christmas. And the final just didn't feel like a final to me. Whilst the semi-final did, that felt like our final. So, yeah, I think all in all, the League Cup was, yeah, it was all right. So, what were your thoughts on the League Cup, Charlie? Yeah, I think it was a good it was a good, um, good campaign, obviously, to get to the final, but it's still another final of loss, isn't it? Um, exactly. I think that, you know, beating Rangers in the semi, that's, we sort of expect that every time we play them at hand, no way that we're going to beat them. Um all joking aside, I think it was probably our best performance this season to be 3 0 up in like half an hour. No one saw that coming. Um, can't remember the last time a player scored a hat trick against Rangers. Um, it's probably a Celtic player. Um, doesn't happen that often. Um, but I think, um, you know, to get to the final, it's a decent it's a decent season. Um, it's probably the bare minimum, like you say, where we want to be. We want to be in at least one final a season. Um, Personally, I don't care if it's the League Cup or the Scottish Cup. I want to be in a final um, in the season. So, I think um, I think it's funny. I um, I was unable to make that final because it's a Sunday and I work Sundays. Um, and it was funny watching it in the pub. Um, it's the first final I've ever, except the COVID one, obviously. First final I've ever been absolutely deflated afterwards when we've lost. Because the you know previous finals, Livingston, I was too young to know what it meant. Um, in 2004 Hearts in 2012 well I didn't see the final whistle because I'd left uh, Celtic 2013 couldn't tell you because I'd left Ross County that was that was just crazy what happened that the, you know in that last minute winner and and I think that and the St Johnston one that was it was crazy as well but that was the first one I'd actually felt like oh that's a chance missed because, you know, going one the up, I don't think Celtic were that good that day. To be fair, they, they took won. a lot of chances. And, but I think all in all, mate, like we, we had a good convincing win against the United on route as well. I think that was the game that, um, you know, again, we'd never expected that to happen. Um, so I all in all, I think it was a it was a good, 
League Cup campaign. I don't think I don't think it was great because obviously we lost in the final, but I think it was good. Yeah, 100%, mate. I think it, it, it was disappointing we lost, but it was a good one, especially that I, I keep bringing the semi-final back, but it was it's genuinely our best performance all season. You know, it's as simple as that. Um, the way we just ripped Rangers apart. And it showed you what we're capable of. That's the annoying thing, is if we just kept anywhere near that sort of level of attacking threat and how dangerous we were in that game, this season we would have we would have been in Europe again. You could have been talking about at least top six. So I think, yeah, it showed you what we're capable of as well. So overall, I think the, the League Cup's got to go down this year. It was good. It was it was all right. It was all right. And we'll now move on to the second of the cup competitions, the Scottish Cup. Obviously, um, only got as far as the semi-final, the Scottish Cup. So started off our Scottish Cup run with a very, very sort of, and this is going to sound funny, but a very disappointing win against Cove. Um, having to take a part-time League One side to extra time and then scoring sort of right towards the end of extra time as well. I think it's not good enough, if you ask me. Um, and people might say, I said at the time, yeah, all credit to Kobe, they did play well. But we, and I think that was a sign of things to come with Maloney as well. I think genuinely that was just was not, it wasn't good. I mean, we won, you left Easter Road going. I've, I've actually left Easter Road being happier with draws and losses than I have with that team. You know, seriously, it was like, what the hell did I just watch? And I don't normally say this about the team. Anybody that knows me knows that I don't normally talk like this. But seriously, I think taking a League One side the extra time, and it's the winning that counts in the cup, but still you expect to be beating sides like Cove at least like an extra time and in normal time. If we'd won 1-0 in over the 90 minutes, you would have been, okay, that's fine. You know, Cove were determined, but we won. Taking them extra time and then for points in the game for them actually look quite dangerous. It's not, that wasn't good enough. I mean, like I said, it was a warning sign for what was coming with Maloney, to be honest, I think. And then obviously after that, we got dealt a very tough away tie against our both Our both go 1-0 up. Um, but, of course, who else but Craig White? I mean, the Jambos must have been creaming themselves when that happened. <laughs> um, and then obviously we've got, you know, we saved our blushes and we um, won 3-1. Um, Chris Mueller's only goal in a hip shirt. Um, and obviously Nisbet as well, um, getting what was quite a good goal um, in that game as well. So obviously beat our broth, and I, that was a potential banana skin avoided. It was actually, I know it was an all right performance. I wouldn't say it was exactly like set the world alight. We got, it was very workmanlike, which is what you expect in those conditions against a team like our broth. That's what you're going to expect against that team, you know. And we won. Then obviously we got a quarter-final tie against Motherwell. She's fine, thank you, at um, Fur Park. And that was, again, you know, a bit of an interesting one. Obviously, Bevis Mugabe got sent off um, not long into the game at all. Melkerson's first two goals in the hip shirt, um, and only two goals in the hip shirt to date. Um, and I think, you know what, I think that was actually quite a good battling performance for me um, against Motherwell in that quarter-final. Obviously, I think that's, to be fair, that's the probably one of the best performances we had under Maloney, to be honest, that Motherwell game. Um, very good first half, especially Melkerson's first goal, like a proper striker's goal as well. Um, very good first half, with a lot of good attacking threat. And then in the second half, we were just happy to sort of defend. and Because um, Motherwell were a very difficult side to deal with. 
and we managed just to sort of marshal them well and we saw the win out. Um, it was obviously Maloney got his first trip to Hamden um, as a club manager. And then we played Hearts and obviously that was the second Edinburgh derby in a row. And we lost. Hearts go 2-0 up. We get a goal back. Second half, arguably we could have won it and we had the chances to win it, but we didn't. And that was that. It was really disappointing losing two derbies in a row. You really felt that we had something to prove in the Scottish Cup for me. I think that was that was Maloney. Maloney could have redeemed himself, I think, if he'd won that derby and it got us to the final. Like Maloney could have redeemed himself and he would have saved his own job as well. And obviously that was it. That was the final straw for Ron Gordon and Ben Kinsale. And Maloney was relieved of his duty. So overall, I've got to say the Scottish Cup was just disappointing for me. You know, last season when we had the run, obviously it was bad losing to St. Johnston. But when we had that run, obviously we played some really good football. You know, we were beating some difficult sides at like Queen of the South, um, Stranraer. You know, we were playing really good attractive football and we were beating these sides confidently, which is what you expect. And then obviously we got the final. Unfortunately, we lost to St. Johnston the way we did. But I definitely think if you're comparing the cup runs, last last season's was better. I've just got to say the last season was more exciting. This one was just deflating. We struggled past Cove. It was eye-bleeding stuff against our growth, to be honest, at times. Motherwell was okay. I think it was a, it was a performance you'd expect against Motherwell. Those are the sorts of wins we get against Motherwell. And then the way we lost that semi-final was just so heartbreaking because genuinely, I think in the second half, we had enough to win it. And then, you know, it, that spot sent us into a bit of free fall after that. So, Charlie, would you agree that it was maybe a slightly disappointing cup campaign even though we got to the semi-final? I'd rather win out in the quarter-final, to be honest, mate. I never, ever want to lose to them at Hamden, or ever. So, exactly. I'd, I'd much rather got beat off Motherwell in the quarter and there's... Um, I I think just uh, you, you it's all fine and well getting to these big games at Hamden, but if you're gonna get beat, like it doesn't happen for me, you know. Um there's a good chance to break that duck. Obviously never beating hearts at Hamden, which pains me every day that we've never done that. Um but I think um I'd add a much rather go beat in the quarter final, mate. Save yourself yeah. the embarrassment again of another derby defeat. I think so. But, I'll be but then again, on that, if we'd beat them, it's fine. But, like, obviously, they get to go to the final and we get to laugh at them when they get beat, which is fu- which is funny in itself. But um, I'd have much rather be- been beaten the quarters. I think so. Otherwise, I would have honestly, or, or I've got, I would have, I, 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 my heart sank when we drew them in the semi because I knew what was coming at that point because of that record we have against them at Hamden. And it was a big chance to put that behind us. And obviously, there was a lot of players and obviously Maloney as well that needed to prove themselves. We'd just been parked off them at Timecastle after going one nil up. This was the chance. This was the chance to go, you know what, we're getting revenge and it would have been the ultimate revenge, finally beating them at Hamden. And we don't, and I would have much rather we'd drawn one of the, the old firm in the semi and got pumped and then been done with it. You know, seriously, because I think, I agree with you, you never want to lose to them. You never want to lose to them anyway. But when it's on such a big stage, you just never, ever, ever what a lose starts on such a big stage. I think it just shows you that, that, that this team couldn't get up for big games, apart from that semi, League Cup semi. This team could not get up for big games at all. Because look at our record against the Open, look at our record against Hearts this season. It's woeful, to be honest. So, yeah, I definitely think that the Scottish Cup for me, if we'd been put out by that Motherwell team, 
you would have went, well, we've had a bit of a crappy season. That's disappointing. Oh, well, move on. But it, losing to Hearts the way we did in that semi, just, it, 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 it's unacceptable, mate, if you ask me. Um, and it just sums up the season as well. Um, the fact that this is a squad that was just nowhere near good enough for what we needed to do. Because last season was always going to be a sort of tough act to follow. Um, and we just didn't, we didn't have the players to follow that act, to be honest. So, yeah, it didn't live up to it. Um, and finally, we'll end our little um, competitions rundown with the Cinch Premiership. Obviously, uh, I think this is probably the most disappointing element after the Scottish Cup of the season. Uh, our final league position in the Cinch Premiership was eighth on 45 points, which sum, sums up the season, doesn't it, Charlie? Sums up the season. Um, disappointing, really, really poor. It's not good enough as well. You know, coming third last season um, and sort of realistically looking at European football and getting to a cup final and having a really positive league campaign and having a positive season. You know, take, take, take the two defeats out to St. Johnston and the Cups aside. We had a really positive season last season um, to this to a really poor league campaign and one in which that if we hadn't of beaten St Mirren, we would have realistically have been looking at the playoffs. That could have been us playing Inverness last week there. So I think, yeah, it was shocking. Utterly shocking league campaign. And we went through, we went through um, two managers as well over the course of the season, which is, which is shocking as well. So I think, obviously, the league started off quite promising. We had a strong start. Um, and then it all unravels at Ibrox. Obviously, we lose to Rangers um, after Poachers got that red card. It was never a red card. And we go on a horrible run after that. Jack Ross gets sacked. David Gray comes in as intern. Sean Maloney gets brought in. Sean Maloney starts off reasonably well. I'd say got that win against Aberdeen, got that win against Dundee United. We draw in the derby after quite a strong performance. And then after that, it, he goes on a horrible run of his own, which eventually ends him getting sacked. David Gray comes in as intern. We're bottom six. Um, which was hugely disappointing. Like, that was a massive kick to the guts coming bottom six, to be honest. I mean, it's just, for a club of our size, it's unacceptable, um, to be brutally honest. And then David Gray comes in and we win a grand total of two of the split games. I mean, get, we get beat by Dundee. We got relegated bottom of the league. So I think, to be honest, the, the league campaign was a shambles this season, to be honest. And after a strong start, like the way we start the league campaign, I thought, you know what? I don't think we're going to quite get third again. But I, I, I was expecting maybe fourth or fifth, at least we'll still get European football, we'll still be top six. But it, it just all horribly unraveled. I think the league campaign was just massively frustrating, disappointing, unacceptable. And it proves how much, how, how much, it shows you how much the lack of ambition was in the park of the players, if you ask me that we were accepting getting beat by teams like St Mirren, Livingston, Dundee. Only beating Dundee once this season thanks to a horrific own goal. Unacceptable. And there's, there's, there's the stats you've got to look at. Dundee, we, we, could, we, couldn't, beat, we couldn't beat them um, at home because we, we drew... Um, no, we couldn't beat them away, sorry. We only beat them at home. Couldn't beat them away. Couldn't beat that. We drew, three, we drew twice and then lost once. And then we beat them at home. And it, and it wasn't even like, that was really sort of dire stuff. St Mirren, um, we struggled against them this season because they beat us at Easter Road. And when we drew with them at Easter Road, we, we only beat them twice away. Livingston, only got one win against them this season. 
St Johnston is the only team we have a complete set of um, unbeaten results against, and we still couldn't even beat them. Um, all, all the times we played them, played them at the worst, and we drew nil nil with them. And I think that's when St Johnston were in the right proper dip. We drew nil nil with them at the football for a fiver game. Um, Dundee United had quite a shoddy record against them. Couldn't beat Hearts. But, um, obviously, we got the in the league. We got the two draws and then beat. Celtic Rangers didn't beat them this season. Rangers, Rangers beat Rangers up in the league beat us every time we played them. Which is, it, in these decides you need to at least be taking points off them if you want to be challenging for European football like a side of our size. Even that struggling Aberdeen team, we struggled against them this season. It's, there's a cold hard fact that the league campaign is perhaps the most disappointing, or is the most disappointing element of this season. You come in eighth, you're struggling against teams that you should be beating confidently, and we're letting, we're sides like Motherwell and um, Ross County were coming above us in the league. It's just not on, if you ask me. It's just not on. Eighth, really disappointing. And it's one of the most disappointing seasons we've had since Butcher, if you ask me. Simple as that. Even, even, even the seasons in the Championship, we were getting at least at least we were like getting into the playoffs and everything. If you ask me, yeah, it was disappointing to lose the playoffs, but at least we were playing good stuff and sort of competing at the top when we're in the championship. And then when we come back, obviously we've got Lenny, we've come fourth. Lenny's obviously the half of that season, and when Hecky came in, we came sixth or fifth, I think. Then Jack Ross comes in, Jack Ross, obviously. Jack, Jack Ross after Hecky turns it around because of the COVID on points per game were seventh, but when reality we should have been sixth. Jack Ross's first full season we come third. So this is to me the worst season since we've come up to the championship. And yeah, it was just massively disappointing. I think I've run out of words to throw at it um, that aren't swear words. To be honest, about how disappointing and just utterly shocking the league campaign was. I mean, it's just not good enough. For a club of our size, it's as simple as that. Club of our size should be challenging for European football, fourth or third, or even try to split the old firm, to be honest. So, yeah, not good at all. So, Charlie, what were your thoughts on the league campaign, mate? Nothing really to add, except what you've said, mate. There, I think, um, would Jack Ross have got us bottom six? Probably not. I don't think so. I think, um, I, I think Ron's maybe regretting that. that uh, sacking now um, seeing what happened at the end of the season but look mate it's not it's not acceptable third to eighth in a season with the possibility that we could have finished tenth it's not good enough mate um, there's certain players in that team that have, have caused this um, and we'll get to that later on when we do the tier maker there's a lot of players that are going to be in that bottom category for me this season um, not one player stood up and uh, fought for that badge when we needed it most. You know, going into the game at Tynecastle, we could have had we could have had top six wrapped up weeks and weeks before that. Yeah. Um, the game against Dundee United was embarrassing. The game before Hearts, I don't know how many chances we had. I don't know how many times a season midfielders like Jake Doll Hayes, Joe Newell, Josh Campbell get to the edge of the box and pass backwards. It's just, it was just eye bleeding football for all the season. Even the start of the season when we're beating Ross County 3 0 and we're beating Marivel 3 2, 
more so the Motherwell one, there's still questions to be asked because we went from not conceding a goal in open play from a from a, a header across a season before to almost 95% of our goals this season. I plucked that number out of thin air. It might not be the case, but to, to, to a high percentage of our goals being from crosses, there's I there's so many things wrong in the playing squad, and you see that with an eighth place finished. And um, I'm glad to see the back of the season, to be honest, because it was just embarrassing. Spot on, mate. Spot on. Um, I think, yeah, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I agree. If Jack Ross had been allowed to sort of turn things around, I think we would have been at least like looking at sixth this season, minimum. To be honest, and yeah, to me the players are the problem. There was a lot of decisions made upstairs as well that I think caused a few issues there. But all in all, I, I think uh, it was just it was just really really disappointing. The fact that you raised there that eighth is actually getting off lightly considering we could have finished tenth. So probably yeah, probably, I, I think, probably should have finished tenth. I think on the basis of it, I mean, like after we lost to Dundee, you're like we have no right to be finishing any higher than we did. To be honest. So, yeah, now we'll now move on to, um, don't worry, it does get better from here until we go <laughs> on to the maker. Um, we do, we're now going to move on to the stats. So, first of all, we'll start off with the total goals scored. And the total goals scored this season um, across all competitions was 61. Now, if you compare that to the 93 that the women's team scored across all competitions, uh, that, that tells you all you need to know about people with this in women's football. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, total goals conceded was 56. Um, then our final win percent, and this may not surprise a lot of people, but I was quite shocked when I when I worked this out. Our final win percentage across all comps was 38%. That, sh- that shows you how bad it really was this season. Like, there it is in a cold, hard number, 38%. Compare that to the women's team who had a win percentage of 54%. So the women were winning just over half of their games this season, the men's team were losing quite a lot by that. You know, you couldn't even manage average. You couldn't even manage half of your wins or below half of your wins. I think aside, aside coming fourth or third in the league, the magic number with a win percentage needs to be about high 40s or the 50s. So we were well off the mark. It's as simple as that. We were well, be, we were well beyond the mark. Um, in terms of our final win percentage. So just before we move on to the players, that's Charlie. What does that win percentage of thirty-eight percent tell you? Players are the problem. The players, if the player, if the win percentage is thirty-eight percent, it's not in that the, the three managers will had. They well, they take part of the blame, but the players, the players are the ones that are on the pitch, mate. Like I know people blame Maloney, blame Ross, blame David Gray, but it's, it's ultimately the players, like. I know Maloney probably overtrained them and they had no idea what they were doing, but they still need to go out and perform on the park. Like, mm-hmm. no beating, like, no beating teams at home that we would wipe the floor with last season. Like, going to Livingston, no winning away for home at Livingston. Did we beat them? Ah, oh, we beat them once at home this season. Like, that's yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. Like, that is embarrassing. And I know, like, I know we took a bit of a slating on Twitter when, when I slated Omionga and whatever, but we need to be beating Livingston. We need to be beating Sitmarin. We need to be beating Ross County every single time we play them. Like, there's a massive golfing class between us. And your Sitmarins, your, your Ross Counties, your Livingstons, your, even your Kilmarnocks, and 
like next season, we need to be taking three wins off them easily. Like, what? I just don't understand how they're beating us. I really don't understand it. We've got positionally better players than them in every position on the park. So how are they beating us? Like, it's just blows my mind, mate, that we're we're sitting here in a season review after what we had last season where St. Johnston was the only team we, we couldn't win against last season to St. Johnston's the only team that we've, we beat comfortably, or not comfortably, but we've beat like three times this season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just bad. Like, I don't, I don't know what's happened in the team in a space. Well, having three managers will not help at all, like, mind you, but it's just, I, it, what it tells me is that we need to get it sorted and we've got a new manager whose task is to sort it. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think for the top down, it needs to, for the top down, it needs to change. Everybody, everybody, and I'm talking about this like off the pitch as well, everybody, for Ron Gordon downwards, needs to take a little bit of the blame for that. Everybody. Because Jack Ross, I don't think, was back properly because he even said that in the press that he didn't get the players he wanted and that led to a head of recruitment change, which, you know, I think Graham Matty was maybe um, the scapegoat. He was the head that had to roll for that. Um, you know, we had a poor summer window. The winter window wasn't much better, to be honest. So I think, yeah, man- managers nobody know getting the players they wanted was a problem. But uh, yeah, I think everybody needs to take a bit of the blame. Everybody apart from, like, obviously, I've got to say now, the media staff like Adam and um, the commercial staff like Greg, they all did a fantastic job. They're the ones that, they're about the only figures at the club will say did their jobs properly this season. Because um, the players, a lot of the players certainly didn't. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it, to me, it, it does shift on the players. I think it's about 60 40 for me. 60% on the players, a lot of them just aren't, weren't good enough and didn't put in enough of a shift. 40% on each of the managers. I think David Gray was completely out of his depth every, both times, both spells. Um, although I think the first time went better than the second time, to be honest. Sean Maloney, again, completely out of his depth. We are not a club that should be somebody's first job. I think we talked about this when we reacted to Maloney sacking. We're not a club because there's too much in it. There's too much expectation. I'm talking about from the board. Obviously, Ron's a very ambitious owner. He wants us to be winning trophies, competing for European football. So there's too much expectation upstairs and there's too much expectation in the stand because we know that we're a very hard fan base to please. So the manager needs to get it spot on. And that's why I think Maloney was just too much of a risk. Jack Ross, as much as I think Jack Ross should have been given a chance, I think when he was let go, it had it sort of had to happen. As much as in hindsight, it wasn't a good idea. That run we were on was bad. I mean, it was relegation form. We talked about it. It was relegation form. That's that's how Dundee played. If you look at it, that's that run we went on is how Dundee um, Dundee went on runs like that. So I think when you look at it, there's everybody's got to take a part of the blame. And that's I think Ron's recognised that when he's came out and spoke to the press. That he said, look, it's it, it, it's a collective effort from everybody at the club and we failed from a footballing sense I think there was loads of good things done off the pitch this season you know I think the big tellies they were fantastic and a good addition to the stadium um, we did a lot of good corporate stuff we did a lot of good engagement with the fans did a lot of good stuff with the Denise Pro Kids the Community Foundation so off the pitch we did a lot of brilliant stuff but on the pitch to me everybody's got to take a bit of responsibility for how bad it's been on the pitch for the men's team this season, to be honest. You know, it's as simple as that. No, nobody's innocent, to be honest. It's as simple as that. Coaching staff, when we, Christ, we went through them at some rate as well. Coaching staff, players, 
the, the top brass because Ben Kinsella and Ron Gordon, Ian Gordon, they make, the, they make the decisions at the end of the day. And some of their decisions did affect what I... Not Ron directly, because obviously Ron was hands-off. That's the whole point of Ben coming in. And so Ron could have a bit of a rest and take care of his other interests. But I think Ben Kinsella, there's been some decision-making from him that's been at best questionable. Um, and that, that I'm not having a go because I wouldn't want to be the CEO of a football club. It's not an easy job. But I've do got to say, I have got to say that a lot of decisions made have affected what's happened on the pitch. And that's what I'm saying. Nobody's innocent to the top down. So I think the only people this season that deserve any sort of round of applause is the players that tried, <laughs> the fans for putting up with it, for us for putting up with it, and the commercial staff and the community foundation and, and other staff at the club that actually, you know, did a lot of positive things. You've got to say, it's actually off the pitch, it's actually been quite a positive. And on the pitch with the women's team and with the youth set up, it's actually been quite a positive season. You look at under-18s, um, did well in their league. The women's team had a strong season like we were talking about in their review. And we're obviously in coming weeks going to talk about the off-pitch successes and the behind-the-scenes. So I do think in that respect, it was actually a good season, but it wasn't on the pitch. And like I said, that was a cold, hard number that really sort of um, sums up that 38% win rate. So then we move on to the player stats. We'll very quickly go through them. So first of all, our top goal scorers. So we'll do the top three like we did with the women's team. So first of all, our top goal scorer this season with 13 goals is Martin Boyle. And the fact that that's a player that left the club um, before Christmas, that tells you all you need to know, really. Um, because obviously Martin Boyle, the transfer to Elf Asley went through sort of just during the winter window. Um, Kevin Nisbet with nine goals, which I think, considering Kev got a lot of stick, it's better than a lot of people I think maybe expected them to do or maybe think that number would have been a bit lower. Then tied on third is James Scott and Kyle McGuinness with four. Now, James Scott, all four of those came at the end of the season and three were in one game. Kyle McGuinness has been injured for the majority of this season. So that, again, tells you all you need to know. Um, it, it tells you how much we were struggling for creativity across the park, to be honest. Because if you look at it, if you look at the top three goal scorers with the women's team, again, Alexa and Mickey, Ailey and Calf, who were the second and then the joint thirds, were all in double figures still. We've only got the men's team only had one player on double figures for a goal scored, which is shocking. And I think it goes a long way to explaining why we ended up where we did. Um, creativity was obviously a massive issue. I, we harped on about it just about every time we played, even when we won this season. Um, and I think yeah, that was our Achilles heel, really, was the fact we can't score. Because you can let, like, I think the thing is, is, you can concede goals. That happens. Because look at us under Lennon. I mean, quite a few games under Lennon, we were conceding like two or three goals a game. But we were outscoring the opposition. I think that's the difference. And like you said, Charlie, mate, it was eye-bleeding stuff to watch. Um, so there's the, there's the um, top goal scorers. The top assists, um, Martin Boyle and Scott Allen were joint top assist providers this season with five apiece. Again, that tells you all you need to know that Scott Allen's not had the best season individually and it's hardly played, and he's still got the joint top assist with Martin Boyle, who, again, left the club. In second, we have a joint second with um, Josh Campbell and Paul McGinn, four apiece. But I, I think I was quite surprised. I knew Paul McGinn would be quite high, 
I mean, Paul's actually had an old after a sort of bad start, Paul's actually come quite good because he's also up there with the goals as well, which is interesting that your right back who's not had the best season in the world is also one of your top goal scorers in the top five. Um and then obviously in joint and third is Josh Doyle, Joe Neal, Chris Cadden, and Kevin Nisbet with three assists. Again, it just shows you that we didn't have a good um, creative uh, performances. I don't. I'm I'm losing words for this because it's depressing, really. Um, it, again, those numbers, Charlie, they're not very good, are they? No, not in the same way, except that is embarrassing. Yeah, it is. And again, when you're comparing, obviously we didn't get the assist stats to the women's teams. They were quite difficult to find. But I'd suspect the, assist, the women's team's assist would be a lot better than that as well. And a lot of people say you shouldn't compare men and women's football. But to me, it's nothing to do with your gender or what level you play at. It's to do with creativity in a squad. And I think the women's team in general were just a more creative team this season. Look at it. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, mate. And we'll now move on to clean sheets. So Matt Macy kept a grand total of 14 clean sheets this season, which I was actually surprised at. I thought it would have been a lot less with some of the Howlers Macy's had um, certain games. But I think the Howlers maybe take away from the fact that they did have some strong performances and goals. And also it proves it wasn't as bad defensively as people maybe want to think we are. Because actually had the third best defence in the league this season, which is surreal when you think about how bad it's been for us. Um, so, yeah, Macy with 14 clean sheets, which is one more than Gabby, actually, which I thought was really interesting. And Kevin Dabrowski, um, it's a team in the backup keepers, um, Derby Heroics, and keeping three clean sheets. So, Emily and um, Kevin both kept three clean sheets this season. I think that's not bad for Kevin. And obviously, I think oh, keeping the clean sheet and having that strong performance that he did in the Derby Easter Road, I think it's actually been an okay, we'll obviously talk about we're going to team again. That's actually all right for Kevin. Um, but I wish that Macy had kept 14, but I thought it would be a lot lower than that um, when I went and checked on the stats. And then finally, I'll finish up as we did with the women's team with the XG this season. Our, our XG was one. That was our XG this season, which is funny because I think the women's team was not 0.96, but I think the extra competition is what does that. So there we go. XG is just a number. Uh, if anybody wants to challenge that, you can blame transfer Matt because that's where I found it. So um, <laughs> I, I don't think that if anybody wants to come in and give us the real number, I, I think that that I'm struggling to believe that with how much we struggled for goals this season. Um, but then again, XG doesn't actually have anything to do with you actually scoring goals. So there we go. So Charlie, it's over to you now, mate. Um, those are the those are the depress that was a depressing reality of how bad this season was. Um, Hi. And now we're going to move on to the tier maker, which is going to be very, very fun. I think there's going to be a few players who might not want to speak to us after this. Well, you can see on the screen that we've got a tier maker of every player who's played for Hibs men this season. Some of them... Um, the less said, the better. Aye, less said, the better. So we'll start, I mean, Jack. Um, we'll, start with, we'll start with Scott Allen. Um Never really had a good season, did he? But um, rocked up with five assists and, a, and was it one or two goals? One or two goals, I think, this season. Yeah. So. Um, for me, I'd actually put Scott in the frustrating. And by the way, I just wanted to say, 
I think this is going. The, the, the women's team won again. Was, was a lot more positive than this one. <laughs> this is this is going to be more towards the average to bottom category. I think. Yeah, it's, just, it's going to work the same as the women's team one as well. I just want to clear that up. But yeah, for me, Scott's. I'm going to say Scott goes in frustrating because he. It was the game time for me more than anything else, and the fact that you know that this is the end of it for Scott. I think, at least uh, as a Hibs player. I can't Aye. see him staying around next season. He looked past it in a lot of the games, um, to be honest, when he came on. And a lot of people maybe pointed him out as a saviour, but he's not. He's really not. But I still think he's got to go into frustration. He, he, he's done well enough not to go into poor because I think, obviously, he got five assists. He popped up with a few goals here and there. And I think earlier on in the season, he actually changed a few games when he came on, especially against Livingston, I we were struggling against Levy in the game we beat them 2 0. So when Scott Allen came on, he didn't make an impact. So for me, it's a combination of the game time and the fact you know that that's him done in terms of being a Hibs player. Scott goes into frustrating. I totally agree, mate. I think um, I'm glad to see the back. I'm a Hibs. Um, I think I've I've not been a fan of him the past past wee while. So I'm glad he's leaving. Um, so we'll move on to Martin Boyle. I think there's really only one place that he's going. I think. Of the year, I think, um, to be top goal scorer and leave in January, you've done something right. Um, or actually, your teammates have done something wrong. So, I think I Boyle, Boyle was class this season. Um, I think well deserved in his move, and um, hopefully, we see him back in a shirt before too long. Yeah, I've not got anything to add to that apart from it, it shows you how good Martin Boyle really is as a player. I Absolutely, mean, they compare it how far he's come to when he first joined us to that. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah, and he deserved a big move. And it's fantastic for him and his young family as well. Aye. So, yeah, and we now move on to the actual player of the year. So, he's going up here. Uh, Chris Cadden, uh, well-deserved, in my opinion. I think um, he's been Mr. Consistent when he's played this year. I think there's not really been a game where he's put a foot wrong. Um, and, you know, he's obviously unlucky with that injury towards the end of the season. But, aye, I think he... He's really come on leaps and bounds since when he joined as well because I wasn't really wasn't really convinced by him last season, but obviously he got an injury when he came in. Hopefully that's not a sign of things to come. But um, I I thought he was well deserved. Yeah, definitely. I've got to agree with that. Yeah, exactly. Mister Consistency, um, and he, he's he's had a good season. He's been one of our best, if not the best player. Obviously after Boiler left, um, always puts in a solid seven eight out of ten performance every game. And um, yeah, Mr. Dependable. Aye. So now we come on to the first contentious one. We've got Josh Campbell, who is pretty much the scapegoat for a lot of Hibs fans. So, Jack, what, what's your thought on Scott? On oh, no, sorry, Josh Campbell? Where do you think he should end up in this tier? I'd put him in frustrating because he's a young lad that I think was thrown in at the deep end and too much was expected of him at once. You've seen glimpses of him being a good player. You see, he's like a duck to water against Rangers in the semi. Um, when he got the start, I think also against Celtic, those are the games that suited him against Aberdeen in the 1-1 game um, post-split. So he's had a few good games, but in other games you could, I mean, St Mirren, their winner was directly his fault, giving it yep. away. And I think a lot of the times he just looked completely out of his depth in the middle of the park. So for me, it's frustrating because he's, he's a young lad that was ex- too much was expected of him at the one time, but he did have a few good games in there. I totally agree. I think the bigger games are maybe his sort of game where we're not expected to have a lot of the ball and he's just there fighting for it. Um, so I would say frustrating as well. So 
Moving on, Harry Clark obviously came in in January with a big fanfare and then got injured straight away. Um, but thankfully, he was fit before the end of the season and we got to see him, so yeah, I would say his best. I think he's he's been really good. So, Jack, where would you put where would you put Harry Clark? I'd actually, you know, I'm going to put him in average, and I'll tell you why. Put him in average because I think he's too he did too well when he came back to be frustrating, mm. and he's done far too well to be poor. He came back for the injury, obviously got the goal. Um, How is it against again? Dundee United. Dundee United. That was it. He's got the goal against Dundee United, and he was the only player that I think like genuinely cared in a lot of those games. You could tell how frustrated he was. Just about every game he played once he came back, he was good and was one of our better players. So, yeah, I think for me, Harry goes into average and it would have been good if he hadn't got injured. If we'd seen more of him, I think definitely Harry Clark would have turned into one of our best players. It's just a shame that that injury came when it did. So, for me, I'd I'd say he'd been average. He did what he needed to do in terms of a player in his position. He showed a lot of fight. He showed a lot of spirit in the games. And he also recognised that us as supporters weren't happy with certain performances and he did apologise for that and he engaged with fans positively. Um, so for me, yeah, Harry goes into the average in that one. I'd put him in average as well. I think it's verging towards good though, but I think his injury probably pull him back a bit. So I, I'd put him in average. So now we come to Christian Deutsch. For me, it's, it's, a, it's poor. And I think, I've got to say that as well. And I think this is him done. Hibs, I don't think we'll see him next season. So, and I know he scored a couple of goals, but I, it's been a poor suit. And his first game back, he got sent off as well. So, I think there's not really much else to say other than that not was a poor season. Dodge, <laughs> that was a poor season for you, Dodgy. Uh, yep. Similar, similar name but different. Josh Doig, I think I would put him in Player of the Year. Yeah, I'm the same. I think Josh is. It, you wondered how he's going to get. Obviously, he had that standout breakout campaign last season you think how's he going to do it's always, it's always hard for a young player to follow up on that and sometimes it can get a bit of second season syndrome and fade away but Josh I think has been fantastic for us this season and um, is, I, I think visibly you could see visible improvement he, he, he added to a lot of his game for last season He's made, he wasn't making mistakes that he maybe did last season and um, he, he's become a solid dependable part of the team Josh yep. Doig, and he's, he's an amazing young man with a huge future. So for me, yeah, Doig's straight in there, player of the year. Aye, definitely. And um, hopefully we keep him this summer. I know there's been rumours that teams are interested, so be interested to see how that pans out. Next, on the list, we've got Jake Doyle-Hayes. I would put him in frustrating, personally. Mm-hmm. I think it's been yeah. a very, very frustrating season to watch. Obviously, he scored those two goals against Ross County, but other than that, I don't know if he made a forward pass. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was about to say, mate. Is for me, that's the frustrating thing. Is and it, the only game I've ever seen him like not wincing it out of physical battles was Hearts at home in the, Dar- yep. the Easter Road derby, nil nil. For me, yeah, Jake's been frustrating. He came in with a lot of promise, he'd had a good season with St. Mirren. We obviously beat Dundee United to his signature, which I'm wishing now Dundee United had taken him, <laughs> but um. Honestly, like I think that the, the lad he just does not have a forward pass in his locker. And apart if it hadn't been for the two goals, I would have actually put him in poor. So it's as simple as that. But he scored those two really good goals, and you got all credit to him. Why he couldn't do that before that and after that is beyond me. Yeah. And also there was stuff after, like, you know, I, I think if anybody heard the stories about him saying, Well, you win some, you lose some, and after the derby and everything like that. 
I think all in all, Jake's attitude maybe wasn't the best in certain games as well. So for me, yeah, Jake's frustrating. He's just been a massively frustrating player. And, and I think, to be honest, next season, if, if Lee Johnson gets the players he wants, I genuinely think that Jake Doyle has just become part of the furniture. He might yeah. end up being like a Melker Halberg where he's just sort of there, to be honest. Yeah. Aye, well, Jake, you're in frustrating. Um, now over to the captain, oh, Paul Hanlon. Well, Jack, oh, I'll, 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 let, I'll, let you, I'll let you share your thoughts first before I uh, share mine. I'm going to be, you know, I put Paul on average. He's, 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 he's done okay this season. I don't think it's anywhere near good enough to get put in good, but he's, he's, he's done what he needed to do and he takes a, a lot of unfair flack off of um, certain people, including you. Um, <laughs> I, I genuinely think that Paul's, is he, the, is he the captain? No, he shouldn't be the captain. He's not captain material. Has he done what he's needed to do for us this season? Yes. I know he's made a lot, a few mistakes here and there, but I think genuinely he's, in other games, been your usual solid, dependable, work cost defender, and he's just had an average, a bit like Joel for me. Like, for me, he's exactly, I'm going to say, I don't want to repeat myself with what I've said to Joel, so just refer to what I've said to Joel, except change it to Paul Hanlon. Right? <laughs> just, an, just an average season for what you expect of a veteran centre half. Yeah, I would put him in average as well. Um, he's an average football player, an average captain, so by that, he gets put in that category. And uh, and I'm not speaking about him again. Anyway, <laughs> Ewan Henderson, I would put Ewan in the frustrating category because I think he I think he needs to have an extra thousand calories a day before he is a a heads player. I think he's very weak on the ball. And I mean he scored he took his goal well at St. Mirren, but I just think he's I think he's still pretty weak on the ball. And I think he needs he needs a big season of bulking up. I agree. I think Ewan Henderson frustrating because we've seen the flashes of what he can do, but I just think he needs that little bit more time to bulk up, as you said, get used to being physical, add that physicality to his game. And I think we've got a good player on our hands, but for me, yeah, frustrating. He did take his goal well, though. I do agree with that. Yeah, so Ewan goes into frustrating as well. Now we've got uh, Sylvester Jasper joined Hibs on loan in January and... um, Rumours are to be said that we're not taking up that option to buy him permanently. So, Jack, where would you put Jasper? Frustrating. And I'll tell you why. Because, again, a bit like a bit like Henderson in a way, you've seen the player that was there, but the fancy flicks and skill moves and stepovers and everything, no, I, I don't <laughs> like watching that. It doesn't work in Scotland because you're just going to get sat on your arse by a big, mean defender. It's as simple as that. You, in, in, in some games, Jasper actually got bullied. In some games, his directness was good. In other games, it was to our detriment. Levy away, for me in particular, the way he was trying to, you know, bamboozle Obelai, it just, it just wasn't working because Obelai wasn't taking it and Jasper was getting bullied. And yeah. he gets bullied in just about every game against a physical side like Levy that he's played. So for me, Jasper goes in frustrating because all these fancy moves and everything, you need to have an end product to it as well. And he didn't have that. Like I said about Cav, Cav has that bit of player to her game, but she has an end product. Cam Berry, when he first joined us, had that bit of player to his game, but he had an end product. Jasper didn't have it. And if you've no got... It's, it, to me, with Jasper, it's all fart and a jobby, to be honest, <laughs> to use a, 
I've got to thank Matty for that one. To use that, to use an expression, it's all fat and jobby with Jasper. Is it's very good watching him do all that stuff, and then he does it doesn't go anywhere. So yeah, for me, Jasper goes into frustrating. Yeah, I would agree. I I personally don't rate Jasper at all. Um, so I'm glad we're not taking him up on that that option to buy him. Um, so now we come to the first of the two keepers. Obviously, David Mitchell's not getting uh, rated because he never played. Um, so we've got Kev Dabrowski, Jack. Um, obviously played a couple of times for Hibs this season. Uh, made his big derby debut and uh, was man of the match, I would say. Um, so where would you put Dabrowski? I think on a personal level, he's actually had a good season. Because, you know, for going and getting no game time, and like getting put out on one of the teams that counted beating Dumbarton. For a man for the manager that put faith in them, stepped up in the derby, kept a clean sheet. And I think to us at certain points, Kev kept us in that game. Um, and then other games he's played, and I think he's actually had decent performances. So for me, on a very for, on a personal level, Kev's had a good season, especially keeping that clean sheet in the derby. Um, and all his charity work as well off the pitch. So for me, yeah, Kev goes into the good. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's a good keeper. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he fits in with, obviously, David Marshall now coming in and having Macy on the books as well, so we'll see. Uh, anyway, on to the next keeper, and it's Matt Macy. Um, for me, I would put Macy in the average category. I think he's had a pretty average season. Like He's obviously kept a lot of clean sheets and whatever, but I just think I'm just not convinced by him. I think he's, a, he's, a, he's an all-right keeper, but I don't think he's what we need as a club going forward as our number one choice. No, nah, I think Macy does the basics, right, but he doesn't excite me and he does have some bad mistakes in him. He's not quick enough when he's releasing the ball. His distribution gives me the fear, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, I think for me, Macy goes into average um, and he goes up there like one of the sort of more poor Hibs keepers, to be honest. I think you put him, I think I'd put him in the same category as Michael Lambert, to be honest, with keepers that have just not really, ex- that have sort of been a bit like, Ugh. every time you see them, you go, oh God, what's he going to do now? Yeah. But yeah, I think Macy, in other games, he's done the bit. Ba- he's went from being like a Marciano in some games, where he does the basics right, and you do what you expect him to do, to being a Michael Lambert in other games, he's just an utter bomb scare. Aye, well, Macy goes into the frustrate, no, what did we say, sorry? Average. Sorry, I had a complete mind blank where I was putting him there. I've got to see, well, at arms, when I mentioned, mentioned McAlami, we good old spider hands, eh? <laughs> anyway, now we come to Mr. Injury himself, Kyle McGuinness. Um, obviously started the season well, but got that injury and hasn't been seen since. So, it's a hard one to put for nah, it, it, Kyle because he's he's one of our top scorers, which isn't great in itself, being injured for most 98% of the season, but... I would put him. I would definitely put him in frustrating because I think he started really well, and then obviously we've not seen him since. Yeah, I think I put him frustrating, but not frustrating as in he's been frustrating. I think it's frustrating for him mm. um, because if he hadn't got that injury when he did, I genuinely think, and then obviously he re-injured himself as well. I think, I think we would have. I think he would have been a one. He would have been in that player of the year category if you ask me. If he hadn't got injured, yep. so for so. me. Kyle's, it's been frustrating. He's he did too well at the start of the season to be put into poor. So for me, yep, Kyle goes into frustrating. Yeah. Right. Well, here here comes vice captain uh, Paul McGinn. I would actually put Paul in the good category. I think every time I've seen him play this season, he's not put a foot wrong. And I think, you know, obviously 
He's got a contract extension, which I would say is well-deserved. I think he's a good squad member to have about the team. But obviously, he's, he knows he's going to be second or third choice right back, with, depending on if Harry Clark stays or Cadden as well. So I'd put him in good because I think he's had a good season. Yeah, I agree. I think Paul's had a good season. He, he didn't have the greatest start to the season. Obviously, he was a scapegoat at the start of the season for a lot of our mistakes. But he's came good after after he had a little spell out of the team. He came good when he got back into the team, scored a good few goals, got a good few assists, and he's done everything that you'd expect him to do. And I think, all in all, he's a solid and dependable player and a good servant to have around the club. Aye. So now we move on to another good servant of the club. We've got Darren McGregor. And uh, I would probably put Daz in the, the poor category only because... I think he got more red cards than he played games this season. He's got more red cards than got minutes this season. Right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I love Darren McGregor a bit, but he's done, isn't he? He's, he's too old. Far too old. Um, poor for me. Nothing against Daz. Um, Calvin's probably going to have a brain aneurysm when he watches this, but <laughs> I think no more McGregor Mondays. But uh, I think the thing is, Daz, he, I think he knows that himself. And the yep. only good thing he did this season was captain in a zoop against St Johnston on the last game, and he did all right in that game. But obviously, he got sent up against Rayka. I think that changed the game. We got ourselves back into it. I think directly, Daz getting sent off lost us that as badly as it did. He got sent off against Levy um, in Jack Ross's last game. That caused us problems. He's been sent off just about every time he's been on the park this season. Yep. Which isn't exactly great, is it? So, yeah, no, I think no. he's got to go into poor. I, unfortunately, Daz, for me, his, his time at just coming to end, but he's been a fantastic servant to the club all this He season. has indeed. And he won the Cup in 2016 as well. So, been a good servant. Now we come to the first of the permanent January. Oh, no, sorry, second. Ewan Henderson is permanent as well. But first proper permanent signing because he wasn't on loan. Uh, Elias Melkerson. Jack, where would you put him? Taking into consideration, he scored those two against Motherwell, but has also missed an absolute sitter in a couple of games. Average. Bang yeah. average for me. I mean, he came in with a lot of hype. I like Elias, and I think next season he'll maybe come good. He'll have a full season to adapt. Those League Cup group stage, group stage games will be good for him. But for me, he's just bang average this season. Scored two good goals. Uh, gets bullied about the park just about every game. I mean, I talked about Obelai. Obelai... Obelai was terrorising him when we played Libby. Got bullied at Tynecastle. Got bullied by Dundee United. Missed that sitter. If, if Melkerson scores that goal, we win that game. And we would have had top six in the Derby defeat as much as it would have been so. It would have been meaningless, really. Um, yep. So I think, yeah, Melkerson's got to go down as average. And purely because he just didn't live up to the hype either, to be honest. And it, obviously, a lot of people hyped him up. And he's just not really achieved that. But I think we'll see more out of him. It's a big step up for a young lad to leave home, to come to a country that's completely alien and foreign to him, and also play a style of football and in a league that's completely different to what you're used to. So I think we'll see more of Melkerson next season. He's a young lad. He's going to develop. But for me, yeah, bang average. I, I, would, I would agree. I think... Um... He's a project, so I think we'll see him come. I think we'll see him come good this season coming up. Um, now we move on to Dimitri Mitchell. He used to be a jambo, but he's all right now. Um, Jack, where would you? I thought Dimitri Mitchell's been been good this season up until he got injured. So I'm I'm not. I'd probably put him in average, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. 
I'd put him on average. I think for what I've seen of him before he got injured, obviously he got um, he's got he was it against um, who was it he scored against like Livingston, I think it was Livingston and Arbroath. Livingston and Arbroath, yeah. So I think he got two goals to his name. I forgot about the Arbroath goal. Um, two goals to his name, and he's every time I watched him play, he's looked good. Um, very direct, not afraid to take guys on. Got a bit of physicality. Isn't afraid to get stuck in there. But unfortunately, again, a bit like with Kyle McGuinness, in a way, the injury came at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for me, it goes into average and because we've seen signs of him being a good player. So, yeah, I, I think Demi Mitchell's been a, a dependable player, quite solid. And, uh, yeah, it's just a shame the injury came when it did. Yeah, absolutely. Now we come to um, Mr Owl himself. Um, when you play, you make the high beast sing. <laughs> Chris Miller um, um, I think the less said about him the better and I think are. he's going there anyway moving on Joe Newell yeah we just um, let, let exactly go we'll just we'll just, for, we'll just we'll just forget that ever happened uh, Joe Newell now I would put I would put Joe in the good category because I think he's been I think he's had a good season obviously the frustrating part is he doesn't shoot um, but I think he's I think he's our best centre midfielder spot on mate Joe, Joe's, Joe goes in the good for me. Joe's been fantastic. And a wee shout out to Orla. I know she'll be happy with that. Um, so I think, you know, Joe, he does everything that you need a central midfielder to do. Apart, I mean, I'd like to see him shoot more. And he has got it in him. I, you know, I've watched him when he used to, I watched old highlights when he used to play at Rotherham and he's got it in his locker. He's got some beauties in his locker. So I hope we see that soon. But yeah, Joe's been brilliant for us this season. Um, and like you said, mate, he's our best midfielder by a long stretch, I think. Yeah. And um, does everything right. He's putting some big performances. Semi-finally putting a big performance. Derby, 0-0 Easter Road, he put in a big performance. And in a lot of games, he's about the only player that got pass marks from me as well. So, yeah, I think for me, Joe Newell is definitely good. And um, he gets what the club's all about as well, which is very rare for players that aren't actually Hibs fans. Yeah, I think the the big performance in the semi final was getting sent off, like. But um, I, 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 you... I, well, I was talking about, I was talking about the. Um, I don't know about what I, I do not know what semi final you're referring to. Talk about the one. Ah, um, they are big brothers, three one. Oh, so, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, anyway, that's what on. I mean. I was talking about that semi final. <laughs> Kevin Nisbet, I'd put Kevin the good category. I think people forget when he's in the team, what he offers to the team, but realise when he's out the team, what he offers to the team. I think yeah. I, I'm definitely one of those people. I, I was getting frustrated with him, but I think he's actually a really good player. Um, and I think obviously his injury came at the wrong time. But to be, he's in one of the top goal scorers. So I think, I think that merits a good, a good place in the, in the tier maker. I've got to agree. Uh, Nizzy's got to go in the good. I think obviously I wasn't his biggest fan. I think a lot of people know that, but he, We've realised how much we've missed him when he's not been in the team. I, I, that the reason we've been struggling for a goal so much is because Nisbet's not been there after yep. he got that really bad injury. I'd like to um, thank Carl Starfelt for that, you useless Swedish <laughs> numpty. But I think um, that's the worst thing a Swedish person's done in Edinburgh since ABBA, if you ask me. So um, <laughs> I think, you know, to be honest, Nisbet, Nisbet is good, and he, he is for my money our best striker. So I would do, I would say so. Yeah, so for me, Nisbet's got in the good eye. Aye, well, we move on to another potentially contentious one between the two of us. Ryan Porteous, Jack, where would you put Porteous? 
Porto's got to go and play of the year for me. I mean, uh, honestly, honestly, uh, I think Port- I've, I've got to say it. Porto's got to go and play of the year. He's, he's had another good season. Um, he's gets what it means to play for the club. He puts up in his absolute best every game. I know he got a few silly red cards this season. Or well, one of them wasn't even a red card, but, um, you know, that's it. And you, you want a player that winds up the the opposition fans. And yeah, to me, he's a bit of a Scott Brown figure. He's a bit of a hothead. He likes to wind up the Rangers. Um, but he is, at the end of the day, a young man that is a very good footballer. For me, our best defender. Portis is our best defender, for me. Simple as that. Portis is our best defender. And he's had another brilliant season. And I just hope he kicks on. Get the contract in on the table and uh, hope he stays because Portis is a lad that properly get he, he, he bleeds green Porches, doesn't he? So for mm. me, yeah, Porches has got to go and play of the year. Well, I disagree with you, mate, and I'll tell you why. I think his discipline's been shocking this season. I think he's picked up too many silly yellows and silly reds. And I think I would I would verge on him going in the good category. I think if he'd had two or three less bookings, then I'd put him player of the year. But I think purely on the fact that his discipline's been a bit suspect at times, I think I think because I'm in charge, I think he's going to go we'll in here. Call, we'll, put, we'll say that that's meeting the middle ground. We'll put it Aye, on the good. Just meeting the middle right. ground. So we go on to another January signing, Rocky Bashiri. Um, and I think the less said about him, the better as well. I don't know. Actually, I'd like to jump in here and say that I'd actually put Rocky in the frustrating instead of the poor. And I'll tell you why. Because I think you could, again, you, it was certain games where you could see the player in there. But at other times, he's just been a big bomb scare. So simple <laughs> as that. I mean, the worst one for me was in the derby for their equaliser, is he should have launched Sims into the stand and he gives them far too much room. He, you know, you're a big guy, Rocky. I know Sims is a pretty big guy as well. You're a big guy. You can just launch a boy like Sims into the stand and get rid of the ball. He doesn't really fill me with confidence anytime he's on the ball. But I think no. in some games, and of course, our growth, the heroes are both the money for a match ball as well. <laughs> I mean, God knows where that's going to get found. I mean, there'll be some polar bear using it as a toy up Antarctica or something. But... Uh, I think genuinely I put my frustration because I've seen the player there. And you've got to remember, he got thrown in at the deep end as a young lad when he was in Belgium, goes to Norwich, doesn't play a minute of senior football. He plays in the Premier League B, comes up here. It's a whole new app, sort of vibe, if you like, for him. He's got to get used to it. And like I said, you did see the player there in certain games. In other games, like I said, he's just a bomb scare. So for me, he's got to go in frustration because I think it would be slightly unfair to put him in the poor purely because he did have some okay performances. Uh, we'll go frustrating. I'm glad we're I'm glad he's leaving. I'm glad we're not going to take him. Yeah, I'm Hopefully glad not he's not a player that should have ever been near us, to be honest. No. But I feel slightly uh, sorry for him. Anyway, on to another player that is probably going to end towards the bottom end of the scale is uh, James Scott. I think I think the only thing that stopped him from being a poor season is his four goals. So yeah. I think he'll be he'll go in the frustrating because I think, you know, obviously being a million-pound player and going to Hull, you've got a bit of a hype when you come into a team. And uh, he just never lived up to it until the last two games. And I think um, he was, you know, I think he, he referenced that himself in his interview that it's been a frustrating season for him and he wishes it clicked earlier. But I, I would put him in the frustrating one. 
Yeah, I think James, he had the ability. See if he'd found that earlier on in the season. Um, I think we definitely, he would have been looking at a, a good or an average season. He's just got to go in frustrating because as much as he was doing okay, the, the goals just didn't come. And like you said, for a million pound player, there's an expectation there on what you've got to do. And also his condition, which wasn't necessarily his fault. It partly was, obviously. I can't Calvin alluded to it when we reviewed the St. Johnston game that you've got to help get yourself fit as well. I mean, I'd run a marathon if I had the opportunity to play for Hibs. But um, I think the thing is, yeah, James came up in a poor condition. That didn't help. And the lack of service didn't help. So for me, some of it's not James's fault. If he found the form earlier, he could have been one of our best players this season. It's as simple as that. So for me, it's got to go down as frustrating. I agree with you, mate. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to Mr. Hibbs. Louis's got two player of the year for me. Yeah. I think he's been very consistent. I think you when, when you and me go on about sentiment FC quite a lot, <laughs> really, the sentiment is very much high here right now. Um, for me, Louis, he's rolling back the years. Every time he's played this, and I said it all the way back at the Rieka game, Every time he's played this season, he's been fantastic. And you could put him anywhere on the pitch and he put in a shift. And he really, and that's why he got the Players Player of the Year as well. It's as simple as that. Louis oozes class. And even although he's a veteran, he's still wanting to compete for a team and placing the team. And he's been fantastic every time he's played, put in a solid shift. And in some games, he's actually made the difference for us as well, yeah. especially I think against our growth. So for me, yeah. Louis player of the year without a doubt. Aye, definitely. Well, we move on to Dre Wright, um, another one of the scapegoats throughout the whole season um, by the fans, especially when he come on against, was it Ross County? Got booed. Yeah, got booed. Him and James Scott. So I would, I'd probably put him in frustrating. I think the only thing he'd done this season... The only thing he'd done this season was that goal at Tynecastle. Which obviously counted for nothing. But... Yeah. Uh, I think for me, there's not much else to say. I think Dre's, I like Dre as a player, um, but for me, I've just never seen enough of him to go like, is he good enough to be at Hibs? Probably not. But I do think he, he, he does what he needs to do. He always, he's like a new man under Maloney. When Maloney first mm. came in, like, Dre was like a new man. And he's actually he's seen some of his best football under Maloney, which is not great if you think about it. But Cheers. yeah, I think... I think for me, Dre's got to go in frustrating because he's a he's a good player, but he's just not good enough, and we've not seen enough of him either. Yeah. So now we come to well, we'll go actually we'll do Runner Hauga first before we do the other ones. So where would you put Hauga, Jack? You know what? I don't, you know what? I'll put I'll put a Hauga in average, and I'll tell you why. And a lot of them will go, "Oh, it'll be hard to play." At any time Hauga came on, I actually think he was good. Seriously, and to be honest, I think Hauga's got a lot more promise than Melkerson does. To be honest, I see more. I see more than what I like personally in a player in Hauga. So Hauga obviously um, is very direct. He's got that physicality about him, and he's also a very self-assured player. And he doesn't let himself get bullied. I think Melkerson can sometimes get a bit, you know. I want to say anxious in games. Melkerson can be a bit, like, sometimes in the bigger case, he doesn't want to really step up and he goes into himself. But Hauga looks really confident and struts about the park when he comes on. So for me, Hauga's actually been average. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we get at Hauga. Bear in mind, he only got a place in the squad because of the injury crisis. He originally meant to be a signing for the B team. 
But I think Hauga's been fantastic. I think Hauga's been fantastic every time he's come on. I've really liked watching him, and I, I really hope um, we see more of him next season. I I think he's been average as well. I think he's not been frustrating because every time we've seen him, he's looked good. Um, and hopefully we see him kick on next season. So I I would agree. So we'll go with the players who, well, we'll go through them individually. So Dan Mackay, poor, I would say. Yeah. I think for me, Dan, he came, obviously he came in with a lot of promise. He done really well for Inverness Charles. That's a good young player. Doesn't really get any game time. He's one-on-one with the keeper against Rayaka and skies it. Doesn't get any game time at Kelly either. Yeah, didn't get any game time at Kelly, which is not great. But all I was going to say is it's just as well the famous five stand was shut for those games else he would have killed a child with that <laughs> shot. I mean, honestly, I think if, if Dan McKay could have been a hero if he'd scored that, by the way. So like I said, it would have had a different complex on the tie. I think, yeah, right. for me, Dan McKay's just poor. He, he's not done anything. He goes to Kelly on loan, doesn't play a single game or much games, and then he comes back and you're like, well, what do we do with him? Yeah. Seriously. Like what? What do we do? I mean, because he's not really done it. If he did a, if he did an amazing loan spell, uh, um, Kelly, I would have been like, oh, brilliant. Let's let, 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 let's see what he let, let's see what he's going to do next season. But he's not he's not done that. He's not had the, a brilliant. And the only thing I can say is he's got to prove himself. And if, if Lee Johnson likes look of him, he's got to prove himself big time in those League Cup games. Yeah, big big time. So for me, yeah, it's, it's perfect, Dan McKay. Do you think he'll have a space in the team next season, Jack? I highly doubt it. Yeah, to me too. Right, we'll move on. Alex Gogic, poor for me again. Yeah, big Alexandros Gogic. Uh, Get in that yeah. <laughs> It's to be honest, I'm I'm I, I never really liked Gogic to begin with. Like he he had an okay season last season. He wasn't even that good. If we were doing this based on last season, we would have put him in average. He's a hatchet man, and he's never going to be any more than an average player. Any time he did play this season, he's made a lot of mistakes. And then he's got loaned out to St. Lennon and has not really done anything there. So, yeah, he's got the good in as a poor for me. Right, Jamie Murphy, poor for me. Poor. Yeah. I'm I mean, glad he's, he's got I'm hamstrings glad. made of cheese. I'm glad he's away. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Murphy for me was just... Never good enough to be at Hibs, to be honest. And uh, next, playing a matter of 90 minutes for Hibs, Nathan Wood, and it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a Hibs jersey, so get To be honest, like, for me, he'd be, he was like, I honestly thought he was going to be like Mavropanos, if you remember him, where he was never going to play. It was like one of the players that were him and like, who the hell are they? Well, oh, they're gone. But, yep. um, no, nah, he plays in that Dundee United game, he looked, compl- he looked like a rabbit in the headlights, got completely mugged off by just about every Dundee United attacking player in that game and that was it off you go and I would that, like I would I would like to remind you Jack that he was next to Paul Hanlon in that game so I'd also um, like to remind you that he made <laughs> Paul Hanlon look like Christ he made Paul Hanlon look like um, a Ballon d'Or winner in that game to be honest I did he was, that, he... for me Wood was really and then he came in with a lot of hype as well Wood so yeah nah Wood's poor and to be honest I, 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 I feel slightly sorry for him because he did come in with a lot of hype with his England under 21 caps and Middlesbrough fans 
giving us delusions of grandeur, saying, he, oh, he's like a really good young player, he's got the ability to be the next Ferdinand and everything like that. Never, yeah, what Ferdinand are we talking about here? Anton. It, yeah, exactly, it's, it's his crap brother, know him. And uh, last but um, probably least, uh, Melker Halberg. Poor. Yeah. I think the thing is, is Halberg's proven himself to be a decent player at a certain level. He's been St. John's, he's been one of St. Johnson's best players this season. When you look at yeah. I me, mean, like, I mean, they look at the way he tore Inverness apart in that playoff. Yeah. I think the thing is for me with Halberg is he was never, ever quite to our level. He, he did a job. And I do, I did like him as a player, but he was just never good enough to be a Hibs player, if you ask me. And I still can't get over him celebrating a 90th minute consolation <laughs> goal in a 3-1 derby loss. I'm still, to this day, angry about that. Like, it fills me with uncontrollable rage. So <laughs> I think, yeah, he's got to go down his poor Halberg. To me, he's just, to, to, to me, I'm going to be honest, he's a Swedish Jake Doyle haste. If you ask me, seriously, yeah. I think Jake Doyle Hayes could end up going that way, to be honest. But, um, yeah, Halberg is where he is. I, I think St. Johnson's his level. I well, I'll just run through the, the tier maker and then we'll talk about player of the year. Um, so, in the player of the year category, we've put Martin Boyle, Chris Cadden, Josh Doig and Louis Stevenson. In the good category, we've put Kev Dabrowski, Paul McGinn, Joe Newell, Kevin Nisbet and Ryan Porges. Average, we've put Harry Clark, Paul Hanlon, Matt Macy, Elias Melkerson, Dimitri Mitchell and Runer Hauger. Frustrating, which is by far the biggest category, we've put Scott Allen, Josh Campbell, J. Doll Hayes, Ewan Henderson, Sylvester Jasper, Cal McGinnis, Rocky Bashiri, James Scott and Dre Wright. And in the poor category, we've put Christian Doidge, Darren McGregor, Chris Miller, Dan McKay, Alex Goggins, Jamie Murphy, Nathan Wood and Melker Halberg. What a five-a-side team that poor category is. Aye. Well, So we'll Jack do the player of the year now, yeah. Um, say, we'll do player of the moment of this season, um, like we did with the women's team. Um, so first of all, player of the year. I'm going to say my player of the year is Louis Stevenson. Simple as that, you know, because as much I, I, Chris Cadden deserves it, yes, okay. Louis Stevenson, you've got to appreciate the magnitude of how good he's been this season, considering how old he is as well, like, for a player like Louis Stevenson, it would be easier for him to be like Darren McGregor and just give up and know that this is the end. I think we've still got another season out of Louis. And you've also got to remember, he is now right up there with the top appearances. These are guys like Gordon Smith, Arthur Duncan, that played for us way back when. Louis up there with him. He's dining at that table. And I think he's just been fantastic. Like I said, when we were doing the tier maker, every time he's played this season, he's put in a really good shift. And... He's changed games. Like I said, our both changed the game. And that hit an open effort against Raika. If that had went in, you know, so for me, yeah, Louis Stevenson has been absolutely fantastic. He's a testament to putting in hard work and being humble. And um, for me, he's just Mr. Hibbs. Louis Stevenson's my player of the year and deservedly got the player's player of the year as well. I Stevenson's mine as well. Um, I think he's my favourite Hibs player. Um, I think that he's been he's been class this season. Um, every game, he's been brilliant. Um, and he get he gets it. Like I know it's you, you're hoping after being at the club for so long you get it, but he epitomises what it means to play for Hibs. You yeah. see that Martino down at Hamden, he's wrestling. Um, I think it was Kingsley wins yeah. the ball back, sets up the goal to get us back in the game. So 
I for me, Lewis Stevenson by far player of the year. Um, and uh, like you say, I hope we've got I hope and think we've got our season season and a half, maybe two out of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I agree with that. You know, he, he, that that semi final, you know, that that's what you want to see. Lewis Stevenson gets Hibs. It's as simple as that. He gets Hibs more than like the so called Hibs supporter Paul Hanlon, if you ask me. <laughs> um, so I move on just to finish us up for moment of the season. So I'm still thinking of mine, so I'll let you go first. Apart from it being over, what's your moment of the season, Charlie? Getting to interview Boozy. I think, um, are we talking podcast or are we talking well, we'll, do we'll do both. We'll do both. Okay. So part of, we'll do podcast and on the pitch. So podcast. Pod, podcast, definitely getting to interview Boozy. Um, he was my, he was one of my favourite players growing up. And he's pr- he probably would still make it into my top five Hibs players of all time. Um, so I get to talk to... A childhood hero is amazing. Um, and I think moment on the pitch, that's a hard one because there's not been that many to choose from, is there? It's probably... It's probably going to have to be the 3-1 against Rangers, eh? I think yeah. that that just... Um, what a game. To be 3-0 up when half an hour at Hamden doesn't happen that often, regardless of who you're playing. So, And it was even sweeter it was against those orange men from Glasgow and Belfast and stop and, yourself there and uh, Kirkcaldy and Fife and everywhere else that they come from so right, I, I think I think it was that was probably the highlight of the season if I got to mention the Dumfries and Galloway loyal they'd be throwing their foot <laughs> um, no but I think support Queen of the South Egypt uh, I think for me my podcast moment of the season is uh, I think my podcast moment of the season, obviously we did it with the women's team, we've talked about the derbies and that. I think my podcast moment of the season um, in terms of our men's team, because I was, I was going to say the women's derby and getting invited into hospitality for a second, but I thought, no, that, that's obviously... That does, my, podcast that moment, my podcast player of the moment... <laughs> my podcast... Excuse me, I lost have a stroke, ladies and gentlemen. My podcast moment of the season... I just got to be interviewing Ron Gordon. Um, you know... This time two years ago, when I was like at my darkest moment in my life, in the middle of lockdown, had a mental breakdown, didn't want to be here, quite frankly, um, and had a lot of bullying issues as well, to sitting down with two of my best mates, interviewing the owner of the club that I support, it's surreal. You know, sitting down and actually getting to speak to Ron Gordon and how open he was as well. It was amazing. And it's an experience I won't forget in a hurry. And it's just a shame we never got to do it in person because obviously it's still COVID and everything back when we interviewed Ron. But that was amazing. Like I said, it shows how far like I think I've come in two years now. Far we came as a podcast. You know, me personally, I think you and Calvin would say it for yourselves personally as well. And for us as a group, as a podcast, it shows how far we come that we were sitting down interviewing um, Ron. So I've got to say that was amazing. Moment of the season, pitch wise, on the pitch wise, I've got to, I've got to go for the. the one semi-final win against Rangers. Um, although I've got to say, a sneak one that I'll throw in there is Santa Coloma as well, because that was the first mm. game back after lockdown for me. Um, first time back at Easter Road since the 3-1 derby loss to Hearts in 2020. So it was amazing to be back. So I've got to say this season started with that. And yeah, it's overall, I think, off the picture has been a, a brilliant season for us as a podcast. And um, that brings me on to just what I want to say. Um, we said it at the end of the women's one, but I think we'll say it again and reiterate it. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. You know, it's, it's been phenomenal. We wouldn't be here without you. We wouldn't be interviewing 
And as much as we do a lot of work ourselves, it's you guys listening to us blare all the shite every Monday night that um, gets us to where we are. So we'd like to thank us. I know we've taken a lot of flack. Um, we've had our we've had our naysayers, we've had our um, trolls, but it's you guys that listen and support us that motivate us to keep going. You've got to remember, Calvin started this as a bit of a lockdown project, and me and Charlie just tagged along to the ride, which is a bit. That's why I'm a bit sad Calvin couldn't join us today. But uh, you know, we've we've all developed as people, um, and we've all developed as a group. We've become very close and good friends. So just yeah, I think we've got you guys to thank for that. We really do. You guys listen. You guys support us. You guys retweet our stuff. Um, you guys offer your opinions um, and sometimes you're a lot smarter than us I've got to say um, and you guys have really contributed effectively um, sending in questions for our interviews and everything like that so we've got to thank you guys again I've got to thank the club the club have been amazing um, with us because to be honest I wouldn't let us to be anywhere near any club officials especially after some of the stuff <laughs> I, can with. But I think it's amazing you know Adam I've got to give Adam a shout out right now Adam the amount of work he puts in to make sure that we're accommodated well. Because, you know, it'd be easy just for the BBC and Sky and all the papers to be pushed to the front. But Adam makes sure that us as podcasters, us as fan media, um, get in there and get space. So I'd like to thank Adam for accommodating us. You know, Adam's been fantastic. So I've got to give Adam a massive shout out there. And again, thank you to the club for being so open with us and letting us get access to these figures and letting us do the interviews. That goes for both the men's and the women's team. You know, we've had incredible access. Um, and... Yes, yeah, so I've got to say a massive thank you. My, my final thank you is to um, Hibs. Just final thank you to Hibs for uh, putting us through the emotional mango, but being our club and being there. So, yeah, um, Charlie, is there anything you'd like to add to that before we sign off? No, I think I'm glad the season's over. Um, yeah. On the men's side, anyway, but looking forward yeah. looking forward to next season. I will right, we'll go with that. Yeah, about trepidation, to be honest. Aye, once once the league cups at the end, then we'll be fine. Yeah, spot on. So, yeah, guys, that um, concludes our men's season review. As always, um, we'd love for you to get involved in the discussion. The women's season review got very well received, so we'd like to see the same on this as well. Um, and we'll be back soonish. We've got a few interviews in the pipeline, a few behind the scenes, um, and we've got some other exciting things getting organised. And then we'll be back to sort of start previewing next season as well, which is uh, scary stuff. It's rolling around quick. Um, it's bleak, yeah, I don't think I'm ready for it, like I said, a certain amount of trepidation, but yeah, guys, thank you for listening, and as always, glory, glory to the high beast.